I'm really excited to um, be with you to share on the parables. But uh, before I do that, I would like to pray uh, for the Awaken and the conference you guys have in mind and uh, for God to move among us tonight. Are you ready for that? Lord, will you please, by your Spirit, work miracles among us. Will you show us who Jesus is and show us what Jesus has done in us. Lord, will you move every barrier out of the way and open blind eyes both emotionally, spiritually and physically that we will be able to say that our burdens have been lifted and we have been set free. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 You may be seated, everyone. Let's thank Matt and the team for leading us in worship. They did an awesome job. Uh, now, uh, I know that um, for some of you, um, this is um, still exam time, right? Should I not say? Is, are you done? You're not done. I was going to pray, but if you don't need a prayer... Who's writing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Wow, a lot of you Wednesday. Friday? Taking up Friday? Okay, there's, there's still a lot going on here. Okay, so usually it's the clever faculties that are still writing, like sciences, any of those? Okay, saints, I'm praying for you. That you will do better than your DP. Um. But it is also, that's a pretty awkward, ugly, it's like a floating something in there. There we go. Um, it's also been Father's Day today, Happy Father's Day, but Youth Day on Friday, this last Friday. And I, I do need to acknowledge Youth Day because I, I, I feel like Youth Day is perhaps, um, gets forgotten in the middle of all of the other stuff. Now, youth is anybody younger than, 29, I don't know. I'm going to classify you as youth, so happy youth day. And actually at the end of the service tonight, I am going to ask three young people to get up and pray over us, the next generation and the next great spiritual awakening that you will witness in your own lifetime. Can you say amen to that? God's best stuff is still coming. And um, it's an exciting thing to be part of that. And I'm going to invite uh, some young people up to um, share on that. So I'm, I'm in a series about the parables. And, and I've got to be honest, the parable I want to talk about tonight is the most awkward parable of all the parables in the Bible. And I did see Danny have an awkward facial expression, like what has he led us to tonight? I'm going to talk about the parable of the ten Virgins. I knew, I knew that was going to be... So let me just allow that to reflect on your minds because it is in the Bible and it's a, probably a better parable than 10 lepers, you know. Uh, but I want to talk to you about that parable by setting it up first. I don't know if anybody has even given you that underhanded insult by asking you something like, what happened to you? You used to be so much fun. 
Has anybody ever said that to you? Have you said that to anybody? But you don't have to put your hand up if you're a hostage and they're sitting next to you. <laughs> but you and Jesus, you and Jesus will know. But perhaps before we go into all the depths of the different layers of that parable, perhaps at its most practical and most simple, I want to talk to you about the warning signs of what it looks like when you're running on empty and how that changes you, and how coming to God renews you and refuels you so that you can fully unpack and express who God designed you to be. Woven in all of that is the risk or the idea that maybe you're putting a lot of energy in stuff that isn't worth it, and that it is wise to save your energy and put it into the things that are meaningful. And maybe if you have that concept as we read this parable, it, it won't seem quite as awkward. Obviously, it partly is a parable about the end times. It's partly a parable about the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's partly a parable about purity and perseverance, about waiting for the Lord and not being unwise. And it's also a parable about users and borrowers versus lenders and suppliers. So, shall we read it? Are you in? Uh, let's go. Um, uh, Matthew 25 uh, from verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Just to pause there for a moment. Back in the Bible times, if a woman was ready for marriage... Okay, let me give you some relationship input from the Bible days. If a guy was dating a girl and it was going well and she felt that it was time to take the next step, she would light a lamp and she would put it at her windowsill. Then when the guy walked past town or all his friends, they would say to him, hey, the lights are on. You should be home. <laughs> That's kind of how, I'm just modernizing. That's kind of how it worked, you see. And if, and if he took too long or he, he, he went away to war and he, he did his things and he didn't come back, she just turned the lights off. How are we feeling about this piece of advice? You got ladies? How do you feel? Because that way, the mystery is gone. Could you imagine the next argument you have? You just apply this publicly and just switch the light off. You're like, nah, I'm done with you. Load shedding. Every relationship going off three to six times a day. Um, <laughs> so that's the analogy of why the oil and the lamp was important. I'm waiting, I'm keeping myself, I'm preparing, I'm looking forward to a future. And at any point that somebody walked through or passed my life, they would know that I was waiting for something better. That's very important. Because God is our light, but some of us have dimmed it so far down that you can't see where you're going. And when people go past, walk past you, they don't know where you're going either. And I think you have to have that 
kind of the light of God shining in you. So uh, let me go back to that scripture. At that time, the kingdom of heaven, I've read that part, haven't I? Five of them, verse two, were foolish and five were wise. So I suppose we could practically say that half the people in the world are wise on this point and the other half the people in the room aren't. So, I mean, in the world, in the world, in the world. Accidental, sorry, not so. So, so the foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. Now that, that principle is very important. The idea that uh, what they, the, the lamp represented what they wanted from life, they all represented how ready they were. And I know a lot of people who want a lot from life but are doing very little to prepare for what they want from life. They don't have the energy, the wisdom, the faith, the confidence, the submission to go where their dream wants to go. And so this was foolishness. It's foolish to hope for high standard and not live by a high standard. And it's foolish to want the best but not live at your best. Do you see what I mean? There's this disconnect and eventually you run out of energy. The wise ones overtook all in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, said all the single people. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, he's here, the bridegroom's here. Come out to meet him. All the virgins woke, woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Okay, so here's what happens when people run out of the enthusiasm of life and you, you can see something's happened to them. They have, have dulled. Uh, here's what happens in life. Those people come and make themselves other people's problem by saying, can you make me happy? Can you make me, can you fulfill me? Can you, what's the little thing and you complete me? I just want you to know that the wise answer for somebody who says, will you complete me, is to say to them, go to the Lord. Let him complete you, then come back, finished product. Can we have an amen? I'm not looking for a job that with no pay. That's what you would be. I'm looking for a finished product. So here's what happens, very jokingly, but here's what happens. You go to watch out, because what happens in life is that the people who, uh, who waste their enthusiasm on things that are not worth it will come to others who've saved it and say, give me some of your, your life. And, um, and the foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, uh, there may not be enough for both of us. Instead, Go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself because there's a cost to living life a certain way. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived, the virgins who went in uh, with him to the wedding banquet, the door was shut. Later those came and said, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Now, so many people quote that like, Lord, Lord, uh, some will say, Lord, Lord, and then he will say, I don't even know you. And there is another place in Scripture where that topic is unpacked a little. But here's the principle of the parable of the ten virgins. And that is that they were all in the same situation, in, in the same church services, uh, hanging around in the same era, but half were wise and half were foolish because the wise ones realized I must have enough in my tank for a future. 
and the others decided to waste their resource and their energy immediately. And I want to talk to you about that and ask you, what's happening to you? Are you getting brighter or is your light becoming dimmer? Do you find yourself more eager or less eager? Do you know, it's tempting to say, I've done that. Isn't it a joke that we all say, been there, done that, bought the, t- is that still a thing? Do, people, do you still say that? Oh, I thought you would have by now in the new technological era have said, bought, been there, done that, bought the emoji. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Something technological, but isn't it funny how that we have the temptation of over time uh, um, uh, reducing our expectation for adventure and our hope for a brighter future because we think we've done some things. And this uh, parable is to remind you to approach your life feeling ready for an adventure. And I especially want to encourage you to watch yourself. The scripture literally says at the end there, therefore keep watch because you don't know the hour or the day. Do you know God at any moment or at any time might lead you into a new adventure. And what you need to do is say, Lord, I'm ready. Here I am. Send me. There has to be this expectation that things might change. And they might change because God in heaven has brought about an amazing plan. You know, you might be tempted to think, I don't have energy. You know, I spoke to a friend the other day, they're much younger than me. They're like, I don't know, 20 and I'm 25. And we were having this whole conversation. The Lord saw your laughter. And, 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 they, and at, 25, at 25, they were like, they were like, ah, uh, I, I'm t- sick of relationships. I'm like, I'm just sick of it. I, the last three relationships were terrible. I'm sick of relationships. Do you, do you know what you've got to be careful of? You've got to be careful that you're not just drained of the oil of gladness, that you're landing up with a spirit of heaviness. And when God sends the right person across your life, you don't even have the brightness and the life of God in you to see it and to get your head in the game and go for it because you are living drained. You have to be really careful of that. You don't draw a line. You should rather say, well, those are three relationships I'm definitely not interested in. Thank you, Lord, that I'm getting clearer about who I'm, who I'm some of your crystal, crystal clear. Then it, it's, it's important to, to enter life with enthusiasm. Then there's the temptation uh, to, to be uh, uh, like uh, um, the foolish versions, and, and that is to fall asleep. Um, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But you know, um, some people are sleeping when the most important things are happening. And what I mean by that is not physically, like not physically, you know, what I mean is God is at work and some people don't even see it. God is is talking and they can't hear it. God, because even the disciples went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Can't you watch and pray? Can you not stay awake for an extra hour? The biggest event in Christianity is about to happen. You're sleeping. Come on, rise up. As I said, arise, shine. 
for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Snap out of it. It's, gonna, it's looking good. God is at work. There is uh, something concerned. Uh, um, uh, w- w- wake up, wake up, you who sleep, said Hebrews, and 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 strengthen the feeble knees and make straight paths for yourself. For well, God is at work. And, so, and sometimes you, you you don't see it. And, and let me tell you something I've discovered: when God is at work, it's so painful. You really hurt when God is at work. Like when God's busy, like as a mechanic in your soul, it hurts, eh? Parts come out and the car won't start and things are coming out of your life because God, the great healer, is at work. And instead of sleeping through it, every day you should wake up and say, right now, I'm just, uh, um, I'm just in, in, at the workshop, in the mechanics workshop, but I, I can see the Lord is at work. I can see the Lord is at work. I can't wait to see where this takes me and where this is going to go. There is something tremendously valuable about going through life full and not empty. It affects the way you relate to people. Do you know that, um, you know, can I be completely honest about this? Um, Empty people are noticeable. And generally, full people want to avoid you. (laughs) I know this sounds so cruel. But when you're empty, you go to one thing after another, hoping it will meet a need. Oh, I hope that. I wonder if that will meet. Oh, I wonder if that will meet. Oh, this church might meet my need. That takeaway delivery might meet my need. This uh, girlfriend might meet my need. That this much money will meet my need. But because it's filling a void designed for the presence and power of God, it doesn't meet the need. And so you latch and leech from one person to the next, from one thing to the next, and you're unsatisfied, and then you look at them and say, they, they hurt me. But really, you, you were not whole to begin with. And this parable is about how important it is to be wise, to, to have the oil of gladness, and the presence of God and the light of God shining in your life, even when nothing is happening yet, because in any moment, God may make something to happen in your life. At any moment. And I think sometimes we, um, we downgrade our expectations, but God has great expectations. So I thought I'd divide the parable up into um, three uh, 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 tests or uh, examples of whether you're being wise or foolish on the way you're handling your own spiritual energy or spiritual life. I know that word energy has got like a bit of a mystical, I don't believe in the mystical stuff. I believe there is Jesus Christ, the only way to the Father, and everything else is fake. But we have a kind of spiritual life, don't we? And it can, it can be drained or it can be filled. Uh, The Bible says, uh, renew in me a steadfast spirit, O God. See, that's that idea that uh, I feel a bit shaky. Um, uh, The psalmist David says in in the Psalms uh, um, to to forgive him for his transgressions and to renew in him uh, uh, the joy of his salvation. Like good stuff can, can just feel down. And, and God is able to restore it. So <clears throat> my goal tonight, excuse me, my goal tonight is 
uh, to pray for the those of you who feel I've been a bit foolish, and and I need the oil of gladness and life and readiness and expectation restored to me. Oh, we're going to pray for you tonight. And you know, uh, God is not a punisher of our f- faults. He is a healer of our hurts. Can you, can you say amen to that? So he's not going to make you suffer for it. He's just going to ask you to ask for it. And then God is able to make all things new. And maybe you hardly had the energy to be here tonight. Like even that, if it wasn't for the pancakes afterwards, you might not have made it. But I want you to know you're here for a reason and a purpose. God's going to fill you to a place of gladness so that when the adventure begins, you will be able to say, here I am, Lord, I'm ready. Let's go, not, oh, let me think about it. You've got to snap out of a life built under the catchphrase, let me think about it. Sometimes you just got to leap in and let him take you. So this parable tells us about the difference between borrowers and lenders. What you want to be in life is be the person who has enough for others. Can you say amen to that? Enough for others, not barely enough for you. That's what you. That's enough for others. Uh, one of the most wonderful things uh, in life is to know that uh, if 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 a person came for a visit, you'd have enough for them. If a person needed a prayer, you'd have a spare prayer available. If a person needed a hug, your need for hugs would be lower than their need for a hug, and you would be able to offer one. Do you see what I mean? We need more people who think abundantly than people who need deficiently. Amen? Look at this uh, Deuteronomy scripture. It's about God's blessings on our lives. And it says, For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, and you will lend to many, even nations, but you will borrow from none. You will rule over nations, but you will uh, but, but none will rule over you. You know what that scripture suggests? That the moment we have to borrow to feel whole, that means we're somebody's slave. But the moment we're lending, we're granting, we're giving, God puts us in the position of being the head and not the tail. You know, something very powerful about not being a slave in a relationship not being a slave to money and not being a slave to feelings, but feeling free to live in abundance. Can you say amen to that? There's something really powerful about that. Just stepping out and going, I wake up today and I feel my heart is full. Don't we often say that? I look at the comment section of YouTube clips. Some puppy walks across a field. Comment, my heart is full. Is it though? Is it? Do you know what I mean? We refer to that kind of statement so casually. But our heart is full because um, our Saviour has taken his rightful place in it. And then you can operate from a place of fullness. That if a nasty person makes a nasty comment, it doesn't take enough away from you. And if the wrong person shows you a compliment, you don't need it so badly that you would just be a slave to anybody just because they showed you a compliment. You don't need it, right? It's operating from a place of fullness. And then and then the uh, parable uh, it defines a wise person as somebody who's ready to go, not sleeping through life. The difference between sleepers and starters. Don't sleep through life. Get started on things. 
You know, um, uh, I shared this in the morning service. I, I do want to share it in the evening also. We've developed a world, we've grown up now in a world in which everybody has an issue and almost everybody is in therapy. You don't have to put your hand up uh, if that's you. I personally did go through like a little season a few years ago with social anxiety or whatever. And if you are seeing someone, go for it. But on one condition, in my view, that you don't think that that gives you permission to live like that for the rest of your life. All that therapy should do is give you the name of your giant and you will find at some point a stone like David did and you will knock your giant down. You happen to know its name, but you're going to knock it out. Can you say amen to that? If, if, if you have anxiety as a giant, then become aware Get the information, get the therapy, but at some stage, find a biblical stone of victory and cast it at that giant and say, once I was bound, but now I am set free. Once I was fearful, but now I am full of faith. It can give you a name, but Jesus will give you a new name written by a new, in a new book, the Lamb's Book of Life. You can't let it define you. You can let it define a season, but it can't define you. You must let it, just like if I, you know, I've had a week of flu over the last few days. Um, praise God, I seem to be on the other side of that. But I'm, I'm not going to the rest, you know, I'm not going to define the rest of July or June or July go, well, you know, you know, I am a victim of flu. Unfortunately, that's why my, you know, that's why all my meals from from Mr. Delivery and can't have people around the house, I'm a victim of flu. Like, you have to, at some point, you walk through it, it's a season, you, it, gets, it defines you for a moment, and then you find your victory. So tonight, let me tell you, you've had a season of depression, a season of anxiety. You've had a season of uh, shyness, a season of awkwardness, a season of hurt, a season of le being left out. But that's just it, a season. In due season, God who is faithful will make all things new. And if you keep persevering, he will bring you to a wide open, beautiful space. And you will look back and say to yourself, I can't believe who I used to be. You should see who I am now. And when people say what happened to you, it should be followed by the sentence, you look so happy. Amen? Now what happened to you? You used to be so much fun. God, God can turn it around. Matthew 26 reminds us to watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh drags us down. You know, every now and then you have to say to your, your flesh, that's enough, snap out of it. Amen? I have to say that to my flesh when it comes to food. It's enough now. Thank you. can stop now. But sometimes you have to say that to your emotions, okay? You've had a pity party. That's enough now. Arise my soul and worship him. I think you have to operate from that position of fullness. And then, and then the, it ends with this rather remarkable uh, bit. The, the celebrations start, the door is closed, and then the others came back knocking. I've called them brothers and wedding crashes. Wedding crashes. Wedding crashes are people who come to a place they weren't invited to eat the food. Isn't that what a wedding crash is? Isn't that what a wedding crash is? Is that just a crasher in general? 
Okay, I, I got you. There's a, it seems to be there's a whole ministry of crashes here. But let me tell you how, how, how to interpret that biblically. Uh, uh, you crash, you're a crasher in life when you add nothing to the conversation but want everybody else to do the feeding. I think God has called you to have the wisdom of God, the righteousness of God, but the joy of the Lord, to operate from a position of fullness, not emptiness, and not to feel like you're a crasher in life, but instead to feel like God has called you to your place in life. Nothing feels as good as feeling called. That's an amazing thing, feeling called. God has called me to the, I'm not crashing. I'm not an uninvited guest. I'm responding to the invitation of heaven to come. The Lord has a plan. And if you don't do that, you spend the rest of your life crashing into things, hoping that they're going to be what you always wanted out of life. So this is my prayer. This has come to the end of our conversation. I've given us enough time to pray for you and for the young people to get up and do a prayer. And that part's going to be super exciting because I'm going to introduce some powerhouse young people to you uh, in a moment. But I'm going to invite you just now, when we stand, I want you to think about whether you're running on empty or running on full. And I want you to think about whether somebody might look at you and say, what happened to you? You used to be and mean it negatively. And instead, tonight make the decision that you're going to let the Lord touch your life and fill you so that people will say, what happened to you? You look so happy. You look so full of life. You look so fulfilled. There is, this, um, there is this fight that happens in our lives where the enemy tries to steal and the Lord tries to bless. And you've got to let the blessing win. Can you say amen? You've got to let the blessing win. Would you please stand with me as we pray? Oh yeah, you know it's always um ah oh, that feels better. It's always um awkward. Uh, to, oh thank you very much, Nestor. It's it's always awkward uh, when we invite you for a prayer, not to embarrass you, but at the same time not to lose the moment. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to invite you to just keep your eyes closed for a minute, and. Um, I do want you to respond and I, I want you to think carefully about uh, what God is asking from you tonight. And if you have, if you've walked a bit of a road and the person you used to be is hiding, the person God wants you to be is hiding, and you're afraid that someone might just say, what happened to you? You used to be so much. I really want to pray for you. And so if that's the space you're in. You need to just see the Lord fill you with the joy of the Lord, the oil of gladness, for lack of a better word. I just want you to raise your hand and say, you know what? I am acknowledging and drawing a line uh, tonight to step out of something and step into something new with expectation. Will you just raise your hand long enough for me to see it? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Man, it's, um, 
And sometimes it feels like such a uh, heavy thing because um, you think, how do, how do I shake it off? But I'm telling you, you don't have to shake it off yourself. The Lord will take it off. That's the amazing thing. You don't have to do it, like you don't have to think of a way. You just have to stand there and the Lord will will overwhelm you with His joy and with His peace and with His authority. And if you're here tonight and you want to be wise, so you're asking God for wisdom about how to deploy your energy, your, your spiritual life in wise ways so that, so that you don't run out of steam. I'm going to pray for you too. So let's invite the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you so much that you're the river that never runs dry. Thank you, Lord, that you're abundance. You are all-sufficient one. You are more than enough. When we study Scripture, we discover that you're the, you're the well of living water that gushes out of the throne of heaven. You are, in Revelation, a river that cannot be crossed. Lord, thank you. And Lord, thank you that when we're feeling like we're, uh, we're running dry or empty, you are our source. So we come to you tonight and we thank you in Jesus' name for the joy of the Lord, the oil of gladness, a life of expectation, a confident eagerness to step up and say, here I am, Lord, let's go. Lord, we cut away the temptation to hide away to live in need and want instead of abundance and joy. We rebuke the terminology that makes us slaves and we welcome the language that makes us sons, makes us daughters. Holy Spirit, come and do something miraculous in our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Now, before you rush off, stay standing. Stay standing. We're going to do this last bit. I'm going to invite Figo, whose mother is here in the service somewhere. Figo, come on up here. And I'm going to invite um, Levi. Would you, would you ca- come on? And Brittany, would you come on up here too? Hey, Figo. And Levi. There we go. Um, Mark, would you uh, come on up here, please? Would you mind? And Matt. So we've got Matthew, Mark. I know that James and John are here (laughs) because they are literally Mark's sons. So we're not far from most of the New Testament, people. (laughs) Not far. Let me just tell you, uh, thanks, Bev, for joining us. Um, Let me just tell you a little about a plan. And I know it's long weekend and almost holidays and all that, but I want to sow the seeds and get it going. So Matt's been youth pastoring for quite a while now, a couple of years. You're not sure yourself. He said the other day, I think it's been two years, and then we looked at him and was like, no, it's five. But... um, We've all lost a few years from the pandemic, okay? Like, our sums aren't always good. And Brittany has been doing a great work with what used to be young guns um, in the morning service, and we've renamed them saints, because, yeah. 
We, we don't want a department with guns. In the church, and I want to honour what you've done there. I think that's, I've only heard great things. And then, of course, there's been Friday Night Youth. And then Cam, I actually didn't warn Cam, but is Cameron here? Cameron, would you mind joining us on stage? Are you okay with that? Yeah, 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 he's, he's there. Cameron's also really done his very best with student ministry in coordinating and helping. and really has a heart for that, but his role, a full-time role is very demanding. So here's what we've been talking about, and I've asked three of these guys to pray, and then Matt and Mark are going to do a little prayer over, over you. But I've asked Figo to walk with Cam and I'll assist them because I've done this for many years, to help establish a fully-fledged campus ministry department at Father's House that will plan for... Uh, with the goal of doing outreaches at the universities and colleges for an annual camp for leadership development, for all nights of worship, for discipleship, for small groups, for all those things. I believe a student should have the most radical spiritual time of their lives while they are students because that's when you're shaping things. And the opportunity is there to do all night stuff and, and uh, go on a short-term mission and help people or, or, or do a camp together. And we are not doing that yet and we should as this church be doing that. So Figo, if you've got any ideas, oh, I shouldn't have said that. You talk to Figo and say, hey, what about? But by the end of this year and the start of next year, a thriving campus ministry by students, for students in our city, reaching those, that next generation. Can you say amen to that? And then Levi, under Matt and, and uh, under Matt and Mark, and together with the juniors who have been the grade six, uh, seven and eight, I, we are going to devote the rest of this year uh, just as we're raising Figo into that space to raise Levi into youth ministry in the life of Father's house and ultimately to step into that role which Matt has been fulfilling over the last few years as Matt continues to walk with and mentor and step more and more into worship. As you know, Vince is on sabbatical. He'll come back and do some worship, but he's also doing preaching, pastoring, and small group discipling. So we're excited about that. What's crucial is to raise the next generation and create a safe space for young people to have serious spiritual conversations and grow in their faith from here into a thriving, full on, fully on fire for the Lord uh, journey with Christ uh, starting here in church life. So can you say amen to that? And so we, we really have the juniors and the seniors and then the like senior, seniors, seniors, I don't know, next level seniors. And I, I wanted to take a moment on this long weekend of Youth Day and Father's Day and this idea of being prepared for a next season and this idea of filling the oil, having bright lights that when the Lord comes past, He can see we're waiting in anticipation and ready for something new. 
So I've invited them to, in a brief way, just pray for the next season and what's next. So would you guys, would you guys do that? Uh, um, ready for it? Uh, I'm gonna, Brittany, can you start? Are you okay? And then, and then Mark, uh, Matt, will you guys pray over us all? Ending with you, Matt, we'll do a little thing. Here we go. Okay, can we bow in our heads, please? I sound a bit sick, but that's fine, don't worry. Okay, Father Lord, thank you for being a good Father, Lord. Thank you that your word never fails, Lord, and that you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever, Lord. I pray that you stir something within the next generation, Lord, that makes them rise up and be called by you to you, Lord Jesus. I pray that they walk into these doors, Lord Jesus, and they feel your presence. Holy Spirit, rest upon them every single Sunday, every single Friday, every single day in the week, Lord Jesus. Rise up within them, Lord. I pray that that you reveal your plans to them and to us, Lord. And may our plans align with your will and your plans, Lord Jesus, for this next generation. In Jesus' name I pray. Father God, I just want to thank you that we are called, Father. I want to thank you that you brought us here into this moment to do your will, Father God. And I pray, Lord, that as you prepare us for this season, uh, Father God, that you, you define us, Father God. You, you, you take out the old and you bring in the new, Father God. And I pray, Lord, that in this time that we prepare, in this time that we seek you, Lord, I pray that you, 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 you help us, Lord, to, to know that this is not about us, Lord, because I believe this is bigger than us, God. I, I, hope, I pray that, not I hope, I pray that, Father God, that in this time that we step into these roles that you have for us, Lord, that it thrives, Father God, that you... Use us as beacons of light to, to reach these kids so that they can find you because they need you, Lord, because nobody knows you at the moment. And I'm glad that you've shown us enough mercy to open up our eyes to see who you are. So I pray that you use us to show others who you are, to spread the gospel and do what we are here to do, Father. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being with us. How does a young person keep his path straight and clean? by obeying your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, that this generation shall be a generation that loves your word, that breathes your word, Heavenly Father. We just ask, Heavenly Father, that there's a delight in your word, that there's a revival, Father God, seeking your spirit, Father God, day and night. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that your will will be done, will be done through this generation, Heavenly Father. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the souls you will save through us. We love you, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Father, for these amazing, amazing young people, we know that your heart is for them. We know that you love them. We know, Father God, that there's a huge responsibility on their shoulders. And without you, Holy Spirit, they can't do it. But we know that in spite of what's happening in this world, we know who wins. You win, Father God. We know you win. And we just want to lift these young people up to you. And not only these guys on the stage, but those people sitting there, the students, everyone that's sitting here tonight, every young person, we, we want to lay them at your throne, Father God, and ask you to have your hand of protection over them so that they can lead the way, so that we can look back one day and see what an amazing thing you have done through them. And we pray your blessing on them and we thank you for them for being so bold. It's such an example to us as older people to see these young people being bold. We pray your blessing on them. Thank you, Father God, for these amazing people. 
and the blessing they are to our lives too. Amen. Father God, we started this year asking for space, and you have answered people to fill spaces that we have. Father God, we, we come before you and we are thankful for every seed that is planted, thankful for every harvest that we get to make, but Lord, we are thankful for the answered prayer of workers in the vineyard. Lord, we are standing before you tonight prepared to move forward. There is no ground lost when we stand with our Savior and our King. So Lord, we take ground for our young adults, for our saints, as we move forward into a new space, a new ground that we can work hard at, as we put our hand to the plow, as we push through the field, and we work out the salvation that you've planted inside of us, that we will see good fields, good plans, and a good, good father. So Father God, we pray for your blessing over this service, over this night, and over every heart that is here. Some hearts that have received you for the first time, some hearts that are about to receive you in this new season, in this new field. We pray that you will make a way for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.